Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one minute view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't dictate it a bit differently than usual today, uh, because I am home, and I'll tell you why I am home, even though uh, this is the end of my vacation in just a minute, it'll have absolutely a lot to do with why we should be prepping for day-to-day, if not disasters, let's call them inconveniences. Anyway, this is episode 266 of the Survival Podcast, and uh, we're going to do things quite a bit differently today. Number one, this is probably going to be a shorter show because I am home. It's already 10 o'clock, and I had my mini-disaster-slash-inconvenience to deal with all morning. I have to deal with all the corporate BS that comes with uh, taking a week-long vacation. So even though I'm at the house, I will be dealing with office things all day as well today. That's why this show is also uh, being published a little bit later than normal. So with that said, let's get on to the show. Um I'm going to start the show off today discussing the intro segment that I had been doing up until last week. And uh, I have a sincere question for the audience about that. I'm going to want you to give me feedback via a poll that I'm going to set up in the uh, forum because I want to give you guys what you really want, not what I think you want. Now let's talk a bit for a second about why we had an intro segment brought on in the first place. It wasn't just so I could make fun of people and point out people doing good things. It was because... Uh, a lot of people seem to feel that my housekeeping section in the beginning of the show wasn't getting the show off to kind of a running start. Uh, so what I did is I put the intro segment in as a form of entertainment. Then we did our housekeeping, which we mentioned our sponsor and the things that you guys need to know about what's going on in the forum and at TSP as a whole. And then we go into the show. Now, the problem with that is, and this is a legitimate complaint that some people have had, it's taking at times up to 10 minutes. I would say an average is more like 6 to 7. Um That said, before that, my housekeeping, for some reason, was taking five to seven minutes. My housekeeping portion of that intro and this housekeeping together is is now taking maybe just a little bit more time than just the housekeeping segment, which means now that I've got this new format for the housekeeping, uh, if we were to go back to that uh, old segment, then the housekeeping segment is going to be much shorter. So this is what I'm going to ask you in the poll. Do you want me to keep the Ask Clowns and Heroes segment or not? Now, I've heard from a lot of people that don't like it. Now, hearing from people that don't like something doesn't change my mind about what I do here at the show. Hearing from quite a few people that don't like it still doesn't really change it because I'm hearing from a large number of people that do. But I've been watching some of the chatter on the forum, and it seems like some of our longtime listeners, dedicated contributors here, maybe don't dislike it but don't really listen to it. So I want to know if the majority of the people either are not listening to Ask Clowns and Heroes or don't like it, I'm going to remove it from the show if it's not adding anything to the main base. And honestly, folks, I'm doing it for you. Don't feel like, uh, you know, like you're going to take this away from me or anything because it's actually a lot more work for me to do the show with Ass Clowns and Heroes than to not do it with Ass Clowns and Heroes because I have to find an Ass Clown, which is usually easy, and a hero that's maybe not so easy every day. So here's going to be the options. One, I kill the segment. I go back to housekeeping and main body of the show. Option two, I remove the ass clown portion and just do a hero segment on the days that I can find one, which would be most days. It'll be shorter, and uh, it'll be a little bit uplifting, and that might be a good way to go. 
uh, or I keep it. Those are going to be the three options in the poll. If I come up with any other options before I actually set the poll up, I will. I'll try to put a link from today's show notes to that poll. If you want to be heard on this issue, don't do it by email. Don't comment in the blog. I don't care. Vote in the poll. Uh, I'm going to let the poll run for about a week. At the end of a week, I'm going to make a decision on what to do with that segment based on the poll. So if you are not a forum member, you will need to join the forum to be able to vote in that poll. So what are we going to talk today about? I'm going to talk today about some common sense preparations that people tend to overlook. I'm going to tell you guys about Third Time 09 and what went on out there. I'm going to tell you about my little mini inconvenience slash little mini disaster that happened to me this morning. I'll try to get some pictures up today of it as well, and it will fill in nicely with common sense preps that maybe people overlook from time to time. Before that, though, we do have to do our housekeeping segment. Uh, so let's knock that out right now. First, let's start out with our sponsors of the day. Um, number one is uh, Safe Castle Royal and their Buyers Club, and they are an outstanding organization to do business with. I really suggest you check them out. You'll find their banner on our website in the right-hand margin like you will all our sponsors. Um, I really recommend you consider their discount membership, either buying it directly or if you become a supporting brigade member, uh, you'll get their free lifetime, you get a free lifetime membership to their discount club. Next is MERS-radio.com. Um, excellent way to extend your communications. I believe with repeaters up to 20 miles of communications extension without going the uh, the ham route. And I'm really jazzed up about ham after coming back and seeing what the hams are capable of, uh, honestly, from uh, dirt time. I'll talk about that a little bit in a second. Uh, but but MERS is a good thing to consider as well. Again, their banner's on the site. Remember, our sponsors are vetted by me. They are a personal recommendation. I do not put them on there just because they give me money. In fact, they have to go through our moderator squad, which is a listener ad council, before I can approve them even if they have a check in hand. I just turned down a, a new sponsor while I was on vacation. Uh, so it does happen. It really does. Next, please join our forum. Get involved. Be part of the community. Uh, our forum is a great place for you to connect with other people. You will find a great deal of like-minded individuals on just about any subject about preparedness and homesteading you can think of. Last but not least, please consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you become a Supporting Members Brigade member, you will get exclusive content available only to members, uh, including over $64 worth of retail value, including that free membership to Save Castle's Discount Club. Uh, so your membership pays for itself in the first year. And with that, let's go ahead and uh, talk about, well, what went on this morning? What was my initial problem this morning when I woke up? Well, the whole thing started last night about 11.30 at night. I just didn't have to deal with it until this morning, or I didn't choose to deal with it until this morning, um, because I wanted it to be light outside to deal with this. Uh, I, I was tired yesterday. I cut the grass after I got off vacation, dealt with the garden. I have like 4,000 lemon cucumbers to try to give away now because of how many came in while we were gone. And I just basically did a hard day's work yesterday. And uh, so between the vacation, dirt time, travel, and work, I was beat. So I was a wuss last night, guys. I was in bed and out by about 10 o'clock. So I had about a good 90 minutes of sleep under my belt when I heard my wife coming in and go, Jack, Jack, the tree fell on the truck. And I'm like, oh, my God. So the first thing I did was look out the window. Is there a storm going on or something? And, of course, it was beautiful out last night. So I came downstairs expecting to see the neighbor's tree on the truck because I knew where the truck was parked. And uh, I just expected, because you're in that half-sleep state, to see my truck smashed. And that's the way things have been going with my vehicles lately. I got downstairs. It was no big deal, really. 
Um, the, the our tree split in half. A huge Bradford pear, which no needed to go anyway. Doesn't produce anything, folks. And it was uh, on the truck, but it was all the soft part of the tree on the truck. I wouldn't have moved the truck. It probably would have tore paint off it, but it was okay. The car was pulled all the way forward, so it missed the car. Son's car is in the other part of the driveway. Missed my son's car. So basically nothing's damaged. No one's hurt. Everything's fine. I went to bed. I uh, got up this morning, broke out the chainsaw. That is one of the preps I think a lot of people are without in this, this day and age is a chainsaw. Now, if you live somewhere where you don't have trees, if you live in the middle of the desert, I could say maybe you don't need a chainsaw. If you live anywhere that there's trees where you could have down trees and down branches, a chainsaw may be one of the most valuable things that you can possibly own. So we went out this morning with a pair of floppers, and that's another thing you guys need to get. I don't care if you have a chainsaw or not, you need a good pair of loppers, the big pruners with the long handles, with the and get the ones where those handles extend and give you extra leverage, because a lot of those branches are a lot easier to lop off than to cut with a chainsaw. So we spent about an hour and a half this morning just clearing the driveway of the piece of the tree, and I'll try to post uh, some photos of those in the fo- in the uh, the forum later today. Uh, probably won't be in the show notes initially of the down tree and what it looked like after. And we're only like halfway done cleaning up with it now um, because I wanted to get that done and get on with my day. So that was my morning, uh, first day back at the grind from the trip. Now, what about the trip? What was dirt time like? Well, I'll tell you, I was only there for three days, and uh, that was because I uh, I got my wife to agree to go based on turning this into our summer vacation. And uh, it turned out to be a great vacation. I had a great time, but I really wish we would have spent more time at dirt time. And I wish we would have spent the other two days. I wish we would have went the day early, uh, in fact, two days early when the instructors were setting up, and it was just the instructors. All I can tell you is when there's events like this, go to them. And if you don't go to them, you're not going to understand because you're going to start to form and reach out and develop those relationships with people uh, that that are, you know, a level above talking to them in the forum and actually seeing people and pressing palms with people, giving somebody a hug. It's a big deal. And it was a lot like a family out there. It really was. And people gravitated towards each other very, very quickly. And you could see relationships that had gone on a long time on the Internet and by email codified in the physical level when people actually saw each other face-to-face. And it made all of those things real. And I think it makes people more understanding and more compassionate and more willing to do the things that are necessary to improve your life. So I really suggest you go. Uh, My presentation went very well. I did uh, gardening, and I talked about square foot gardening, and I talked about the permaculture principles, layers, and zones. I did video my presentation. I may put it up on that place where I put up my video that my son did of me in the car. I'll just tell you, though, it really came out terrible. The video itself isn't bad. The audio is awful. It's very, very hard to hear. And if I boost it a lot, there's so much background noise then that I'm hard to hear. If you guys want to see it anyway, I'll put it up and uh, you can look at it. I'm not going to do any editing or anything, though, based on the way that it came out. I'm just going to throw it up there. And uh, you guys can decide whether you actually want to... Uh, to, to look at it or not based on that quality. I'll just tell you, it came out that way. It's also taught me I need to invest in a better camera. I'm going to look at doing that in the next month, finding me a camera that um, that has an ability to use an external remote microphone. That's one of the things I messed up on with this camera. I think it's still a good camera. We'll use it for different angles and stuff, but I need something with better audio quality for you guys for the videos, especially the stuff for the MSB. 
Um, here's some things that came out of Dirt Time that I'm going to be doing in the future. Uh, number one, I'm going to do a video for, for MSB members. It's not going to be a YouTube video. Um, on, on some survival fishing techniques, I'm going to do on limb lining and making jug lines. I'm going to show you how to do both of those and uh, maybe actually go out and actually put the jug lines into uh, to play somewhere. Uh, there's not really any good places local for me right now to go limb lining, but jug fishing, I can show you how to do some jug fishing. I'm actually going to show you how to make what are called flagging jugs, and uh, those are basically made with a swim noodle, a piece of PVC pipe, and some weights where the jug lays flat in the water, but when a fish bites it, it stands up, so you can watch your jugs from a distance and know when you have a fish very easily by watching the jugs flag. And I'm going to do uh, a, a video series on limb lining, which is basically tying string to loose limbs in certain spots in creeks and rivers and leaving them there to catch fish. Now, why did I think of this at dirt time? Because I was very privileged to meet a guy named Dave Canterbury out there who runs the Pathfinder School. And uh, Dave, is, Dave is an amazing guy. He's got hundreds of YouTube videos. I'll post a link to his channel. And uh, if today's show is short, fine, whatever. You can watch some YouTube videos with this guy and uh, uh, learn an awful lot about and, and Dirt Time was more about wilderness survival than prepping at home, which was cool for me because everybody was into my content because it was so different. But what, what Dave had that really impressed me is Dave built using wrist rocket slingshots, cheap ones, $6 wrist rocket slingshot, and getting some better, stronger bands, and using a ring, uh, just a, like a ring you buy at a hardware store, and, and tie-wrapping that into the Y of the slingshot, and then using a bow fishing arrow, made a bow fishing rig out of a slingshot. So it folds up really small in your pack. All you have to carry is the fiberglass fishing arrow uh, that is of any size. And I'll talk about what he did with the arrows in a second as well. Um, but then you actually have the ability to fish in the wild and bow fish for things like carp and gar. And if you're in a survival situation, obviously anything that you can shoot. And I thought, you know what, that's something I haven't done a lot about is fishing. So that kicked that idea into play for me. So I'll be doing those videos in the future for MSB members. Um, the other thing he had, and this was even cooler, I don't know if you guys know what a whisker biscuit is, but if you're a bow hunter, you probably have seen them. They are a special rest for a bow and arrow. And uh, they basically look like a circle with, with a bunch of nylon whiskers with a hole in the middle. Well, he also tie-wrapped one of those to a wrist rocket slingshot. And if you don't know what a wrist rocket slingshot is, they're the cheap $6, $7 slingshots from places like Academy Sports and Outdoors or uh, any of the sporting goods stores that you put over your wrist and you shoot like a good old-fashioned slingshot. Well, it took one and, again, increased the band strength with some special bands that he said you can buy online and uh, tie-wrapped one of these whisker biscuits in there and then shoots regular arrows instead of the fishing arrows with it. And they have about a, he said when they put this on a scale, roughly a 35-pound draw weight, which isn't a huge draw weight, but at 10 to 15 yards is plenty for shooting even deer. Now, since it's not legal for hunting deer, they haven't done that, but they've shot hogs and uh, coarse-skinned rams with it, and they've had no problem putting them down with it. So those were really cool hunting techniques, and I thought they were some ideas that I would share with you. Now, here's an even cooler thing. What Dave did was take a regular arrow, okay, and um, 
put the broad head on it, which is important, and find the balance point right where the arrow balances, and then cut the arrow in half right at its balance point. And then there's these little inserts that you can buy if you make your own arrows or you have to fix a broken one that go in the end of the arrow so that so that the head of the arrow can screw on. He put an insert into both ends and glued it in there, and then got a little piece of all thread put it halfway into one side and epoxied it so one side wouldn't move, and then that way you could screw the arrow back together. And since that's right at the balance point, the arrow flies true. So you take three or four arrows that you do that with, they break down to only, you know, about 16 inches long, and a wrist rocket slingshot, you put that in your pack, and you are a fully equipped bow hunter out to at least 15 to 20 yards on large and small game. If you carry a couple tie wraps in that little... um ring, a little steel ring, and a bow fishing uh, arrow, now you can do that as well. That was one of the most badass things that I've ever seen. Now here's what gets even better. I talked to Dave and told him how much I was impressed with his show. Dave's going to come on Survival Podcast and do an interview with us. So that was cool. What else was cool? I also got to meet Ron Hood. Ron Hood is a legend in the survival industry. He was very approachable. He was an extremely nice guy. I talked to him a little bit about how he got started. We talked about his son and you know how excited he is to be going out with his dad doing all this cool stuff. And i got to imagine, for a little boy, it's got to be great to have Ron Hood as your dad. And I uh, met his wife. She was very nice as well. And I talked to Ron. Ron Hood is going to come on Survival Podcast and do our show with us. And that's going to be freaking awesome for me to have a guy like that uh, on the show. Additionally, um, Ron's folks from the Hoodlums Forum, which I've always thought is a great forum. I, I don't post there that often, but me, honest guys, I don't post in my own forum that often. I'm just kind of tied down, pinned down with busy stuff. Uh, but one of the guys from Trinity, Texas, and God, I wish I could remember your name, and if you're listening, I do apologize, but I met about 100 people out there. Um, I gave you my card. Please get in touch with me. He wants me to come down to their fall gathering in Llano, Texas. Um, I'm going to go. I think that's going to be awesome. Lano's not that far from me at all, and they asked me to talk about some subject, and I told them I'd talk about whatever they wanted. Uh, they talked about maybe doing gardening. I might do that. I might do something different because so many of them may have been out there. I don't know. Whatever they want, I'm going to do. So I'm going to another gathering relatively short term, uh, just about four or five hours away from me. So that's going to be awesome as well. Now, all this stuff is because I went there. So what I'm telling you guys is organize your own events or get to an event that somebody else is organizing because it's amazing what happens when you get like-minded individuals together. Uh, another really cool thing, probably the highlight for me uh, of this whole thing was meeting uh, Sister Wolf and the Wilderness. Uh, those two are just amazing folks. Uh, they were they were so welcoming to me and to my wife and so excited to see us. And uh, we had a great time at their time together. We talked a lot, drank a couple beers together. Sister Wolf brought me this really badass beer called uh, Witch, some, Witch Brew or something like that. Whatever it was, it was awesome. Maybe I can't remember it. Maybe that tells you how awesome it was. It was great. Now, here's the thing that Sister Wolf did to me. And I think she'd feel left out if I didn't pick on her for this. The day we got to dirt time, she comes up to me and she goes, I'm going to the store. Do you want anything? And the store is not down the road. I mean, this is a pretty remote place. It's a pretty long trip. So if somebody went, they checked with everybody that they knew anyway to see, can I bring you something back? So I said, no, nah, I don't really need anything. Uh, we're staying at a cabin. I'll be." And I thought, you know what? I only have a couple beers in the cooler. You know, give me a, give me a 12-pack of beer. I don't care what kind. You'll pick something out good. And I gave her a 20. So about two hours later, I'm out of beer, and I say, uh, what kind of beer you got for me? So she runs off, and she comes back with this witch 
brew, and uh, which was awesome again. And I, and I started drinking. I said, this is really good. She goes, this? I said, yeah. I said, now, what kind of beer did you get me when you went to the store? And she went, huh? I said, when, I, when you went to the store, I gave you money. You're supposed to bring me beer. So she goes, oh, my, I'm so sorry. Whoops out my 20. Gives me my 20 back. I'm going, I can't drink the 20, sis. Wolf, what's up with that? Um, so... Uh, I got left hanging on the beer, but it was okay because I couldn't walk 10 feet without somebody offering me one out there anyway. It was really cool. It was actually very humbling to have that many people that were there uh, that wanted to see me and meet me. I met Master Guns, also known as uh, Master Gunnery Sergeant Scott Anderson, the United States Marine Corps. That was absolutely phenomenal, awesome as well. He's a big ham, and I don't mean just uh, kind of being cheesy and hamming it up. I mean, a ham radio operator. He did a class that I missed, unfortunately, but he's got me pretty jazzed about ham. I met so many people out there. I met a guy um, that has a permacultured acre up in Zone 4 of Arizona who's going to be getting in touch with me. I'm going to go out there and document exactly how they did everything and how they put it together. Uh, that's going to be awesome. They're in Zone 4, folks. They're growing peaches and almonds in Zone 4. It really does happen. Uh, it was one of the best events that I could possibly uh, have ever been involved with. I also met David Wendell of Brushcraft on Fire. He was kind enough to do a video with me on how to make cordage out of yucca leaves. And if you don't live out where yucca leaves are, you could use something like nettles. You could use any kind of fibrous plant to do the same thing. I already have that video up on YouTube. A lot of you have already seen it. And anybody that was at Dirt Time that I met that I don't mention here, I'm sorry if I don't... Um, I'm 20 minutes into the show now. I do want to talk about some common sense preps. There's just too many people to name everybody. But it was absolutely uh, phenomenal. It was it was absolutely uh, one of the highlights of everything that I've ever done here at TSP. Um, on Wednesday night, because some of the instructors were leaving, um, they gave us uh, uh, some uh, plaques, awards. Actually, Tuesday night they, they went ahead and did that because some of them were leaving Wednesday morning. And, uh, I don't know, standing up next to people like uh, John McCann, uh, Scott Anderson, uh, Ron Hood, Dave Canterbury, uh, all of these great folks, Alan Hulkin, uh, Dude McLean, uh, Chris Nedges, and, and receiving a, a recognition for doing something that it was an honor for me to do in the first place. It was a huge thing. And uh, to everybody that was involved with Third Time, to everyone that was there that shook my hand and said hello to me as, as little as that or had a long conversation with me, thank you. And to anyone that I didn't spend enough time talking to out there, I apologize. I was pulled six ways from Sunday out there. I really tried to give everybody as much time as I could. And if you come to any future events that I'm at, please do not hesitate to come talk to me. I'm just a normal guy like everybody else. And uh, that will wrap up my review of Third Time. So let's talk about some common sense preps that I think get overlooked. Well, first and foremost, again, I want to reiterate owning a chainsaw. Um, on a chainsaw, there's a couple things I want to talk about, though. Number one, make sure you have extra everything that you need for it. An extra chain, a good set of files for sharpening the chains. Uh, it, it is not unreasonable or even uh, foolish to go out and spend the money to buy an extra bar. Now, a bar is the part that the chain runs on. They are expensive, uh, but they're only expensive when you buy them. Uh, when one gets bent or burnt or something goes wrong with your saw and you need a new bar and you don't have one, uh, they seem very, very inexpensive if you need it and you don't have it. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I also want to talk about using you know, the loppers or any other kind of pruning saw or something like that to take branches off. One of the things that's very dangerous with a chainsaw 
um, is not just, you know, possibly getting cut with the saw, which can be very dangerous. There's a rule. Two hands on the saw at all times. If you follow that rule, it's very hard to get cut with a chainsaw. It really is. People break that rule. That's how they get their, their hands and their arms and their legs and everything else cut. My father-in-law broke that rule several years ago and almost lost the tip of one of his fingers. The fact that it actually healed so well that it's hard to even tell it happened, it's amazed even the doctors. It shattered bone. It was a very painful experience, and it's because he was running a, a small, relatively low-powered saw, uh, but he didn't follow the two-hand rule. And he went to wave to somebody driving by, and he ended up just nicking the top of the blade with his fingers. And uh, it was terrible. So that's one danger. But a bigger danger is when you're cutting a tree, um, the pr- what pressure does and how the tree reacts and, and how it can pinch the bar. But more importantly, how once the branch is free, how it can react differently. It's very important when you're using a saw to look at what you're cutting before you cut it. Understand the pressure of what's going on. One of the branches that we just cut, it looked pretty safe, but I could tell it was going to come towards me. It was a heavy branch. And it's always harder to deal with when a tree falls naturally than when you take it down. Because when you take it down, you can remove a lot of these branches before you drop the main tree. In this case, you know, the tree's there, there's pressure. So I put a rope on it. I had my son pull just a little bit of a pull to the other way to give me clearance because I couldn't get at it to cut it from the other side so i want you to just be aware of those things and it's a chainsaw as much as a gun is a really good thing to get a mentor uh if you know somebody that's good with a saw uh that's going to be doing some work somewhere ask if you can go along learn a little bit use the saw get familiar with it get confident with it just like a gun it's more dangerous if you're intimidated by intimidated and afraid of it or if you're too brave with it. Those two things are bad. So that was one I wanted to talk about today. Another one I want to talk about that I think uh, that gets highly overlooked by people that have gas grills as extra gas tanks. Um, I have four propane tanks for one gas grill. And um, I don't think that's overkill. Now, I got two of them by buying them. I got one because an old gas grill needed to be retired and go off to La La Land and uh, be given to a friend who sunk it and used it for structure for a crappie uh, a crappie pile in a lake. Um, but that extra tank, you know, those four, I don't see as overkill because at any one time I've got three full tanks of protein, uh, propane. As soon as one is empty, I go and refill it. I could cook meals on our grill, boil water, etc. Uh, for probably a month and a half to two months with four tanks. Tanks are another thing. They seem expensive because they're 30 bucks, 40 bucks, what have you, uh, for new ones in good shape. Until one day, you, you know, let's not even call it an emergency. You have a bunch of friends over. You think there's plenty of fuel in the tank. Uh, you're going to cook burgers and hot dogs and hang out in your backyard. Uh, you get the burgers about half cooked on one side, and the flame goes out, and you're out of gas. And now you got to go to the store to get more propane. Uh, at that point, an extra tank was cheap. So I really recommend if you have gas grills, extra tanks of propane, at least one. But I'd say having three tanks to a grill is a minimum. Four is better. And uh, call me crazy, I'm probably going to pick up another tank soon and have five. And uh, I, I think that makes a lot of sense because it gives you the ability to cook long term with no power. Very long, you could handle a month of power outages uh, with a propane grill. Let me talk a little bit about grills as well. Recently, one of our old grills again had to go off to uh, Grill Heaven, and um, we had a lot of issues with this grill. I bought a big, huge stainless steel char broil. This was not an inexpensive grill, very high quality grill, and um, eventually it just. Um, 
got into points where if I didn't scrub it every time I used it, it was catching on fire, and I had enough of it, and I uh, decided to recycle it to the scrap heap and the crappie pile, the crappie pile. If you don't know what a crappie is, it's a fish. So this guy submerged the grill uh, in a lake and used it to create structure. Um, I, it, what I learned with having that huge monstrosity was, one, my wife and I could not lift it together. Therefore, if I wanted to take it camping, I had to get a friend to go with us that was capable of lifting the grill with me. Two, it was huge and it took up a lot of space in the back of the truck. Three, if we would have had to bug out with it, it took up valuable space. And again, I would have to get somebody to help me load it. So when we bought our newest grill, we bought a Weber. And to me, um, after being through several different varieties of grills over the years, running them into the ground, I mean, I cook a lot on the grill um, through the summer almost every night. The Weber is the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, it costs more and it's worth it. And one of the big things to look for in a grill I've learned from the Weber is down at the bottom where the grease drains out, the Weber has a not a little hole, like a basin and a, tr- uh, a trough that flows a huge hole down to a pan well below the fire and that pan drains off into a drain pan that's the way to build a grill there is no other good way to build a a gas grill and uh, if you're going to go cheap look at that and if you see those little bitty holes down there that's a recipe for grease fires in your grill i cook bacon directly on this weber grill i have not had a grease fire yet it might get a little bit of uh grease burning on the elements or whatever but no grease fires no problem, even if I'm an idiot and I forget the grill for 10 minutes longer than I should. Uh, so a grill and pr- extra propane. If you don't keep a propane grill, if you use a charcoal grill, have a buttload of charcoal. Uh, I think for survivalism, propane is far more efficient. And if you ever ran out of propane and you're in a long-term survival situation, you were making your own charcoal or just using wood for cooking or what have you, you could pull the elements out and you can convert the gas grill into a wood or charcoal grill in a matter of minutes if you really needed to. All right, you cannot go the other way, so I recommend a propane grill. What else is kind of an overlooked practical everyday survival tool? A TV in your home capable of receiving the new digital signal with a set of rabbit ears or an external antenna that will get reception when satellite system or cable TV is down. I know some of you guys don't even watch TV. Um, I think that's a mistake. I think there's a lot of information available at time of an emergency from the television. Even if you're a person that doesn't watch TV day to day, when something's going on and you really need to know about it, I, I think the TV is a better source of information in general than radio. And I think it's a very wise investment, and I think you can go out and buy even a pretty cool-looking little f- small flat-screen television that's digital right now uh, for well under 200 bucks at Walmart. And you can get a, a set of rabbit ears, or a, if you live far enough away that you need an antenna, you can get an antenna that will work with it for about 50 bucks. So for about 200 to $250, you can make sure that you have comms uh, with the outside world and at least can gather information. And uh, if you already have TVs that are digital in nature, um, fine, that's great, no problem. Uh, you can receive all the digital signal that you need. And go get yourself an antenna in case your cable or your, uh, your dish, satellite, whatever goes down. If you have cable TV or satellite and you have an older TV, uh, this digital switch did not affect you. Did affect you one bit because your signal's already set up for your TV when it comes in the back out of your wall and into your receiver. 
However, if that goes down and you then decide to rely on a antenna for a backup, you will no longer be able to receive in the analog wavelength. So if your TV is not digital and you have cable or dish, I suggest you go invest at least $50 in one converter box and have that for uh, a way to make sure that you can get information when and if you need it. Uh, so that, I think, is very important. I also think a radio is a big thing that gets overlooked, especially having one of the like crank-up radios or, or something like that, um, if all your power is out. I guess there's always your car, but then you have to run your car every once in a while to keep the battery charged up. So I think it makes a lot of sense to have a radio with batteries and especially to have one of the uh, the, the crank-up models. Um, I have two. I have the, uh, the one, the Kato that I reviewed that I was not overwhelmed with uh, as far as quality. Uh, somebody on our forum, I think it's Car Pusher, has a discount buy on them for like 36 bucks. I'd say for 36 bucks, it's probably worth it. it. I paid 60 It wasn't a $60 unit. I also have one made by Grundig with not quite as many bells and whistles. It doesn't have a solar panel. You just have to crank it. I'm much more happy with it. I used to use that radio all the time uh, with no batteries at all, uh, fishing in my boat, just cranking it up and listening to the radio for entertainment purposes. Uh, so the Grundig uh, crank-up radios I actually think are a lot better quality than the Kato's. And I think that between a TV and a radio, you'll be able to keep in touch with what's going on. I'm also beginning to really see the brilliance of ham, a ham radio. Um, it's something I'm going to go ahead. I've talked about it before. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get my certification. I'm going to invest the money and get a decent uh, ham radio outfit and uh, start talking to people like Sergeant Scott uh, across the country uh, by skipping repeaters. I think that's really cool. Uh, they were actually talking to an astronaut out at their time. I, I, that's just amazes me. They were talking to Catalina Island, where a couple of days later I was on vacation, that was hundreds of miles away. It's uh, it's really a great form of communication. I know we have a lot of hams on the forum. I am looking for somebody that's really well versed in in hams uh, that would like to come on the show as a guest to talk about ham radio. So if that is you, please email me at jackofthesurvivalpodcast.com. We'll try to get that show on in the next week or two. So those are some things. I want to talk about maybe one or two more things I think you should consider uh, for common sense preps to get overlooked. One is documentation, and I did a show, it's uh, episode 153, hold on, since I'm at home I can pause and look this up for you. It's documentation, a full documentation package that's planned for if you ever need to leave, where you go, how you get there, um, how to get in touch with everybody, all your financial information, uh, every piece of information that you would ever need, possibly color copies of your passports if you have a passport, uh, notarized backups of important documentation like birth certificates and things like that. Um, I think that is one of the most overlooked things in planning and pep preparation. What got me, what really got me, is that uh, Scott Anderson, again, this guy's been a Marine for 33 years, and... Um, of all the shows that I ever did, he was most impressed with uh, episode 148, which is bug out planning and documentation. That's the episode. If you haven't listened to, I suggest you listen to it. Or even if you did, maybe listen to it again. Um, he said that is so important and so overlooked, so I wanted to bring that up to you guys today. And here's something else I'm going to work on. I'm going to work on over the next couple weeks putting together the forms, uh, outline, spreadsheets, everything that you need 
to uh, easily enter information and generate your own uh, documentation packages. And since it's all electronic, if you need, if you have three vehicles or you want one for each vehicle and one in the home, so you need three copies, you do it once, you print it out, you put it into a binder, it's all there. And I'm also going to not tell you on the air. But in the package, I'm going to tell you how to protect things like your financial information as far as account numbers and your Social Security numbers as far as your Social Security numbers. So that the numbers that will be in there won't be the actual numbers, but it'll be easy for you to convert them to the actual numbers. I'm going to give you a very simple and very effective way to do that uh, without compromising your own security should the documentation fall into the wrong hands. And if you really wanted to, you could do it with things like addresses. You could do it with things like phone numbers. Uh, you just have to standardize on the way you do it, and that way you won't give away the information how to contact everybody else. Um, and you just have to make sure that anybody that should know knows how. I'm going to put that whole thing together. Now, here's what's exciting about that. I don't know what I'm going to charge for it yet, but I'm going to sell that. And I'm going to probably sell it for about ten bucks, nine ninety nine or something like that, as a download and a zip file. I'm going to do all the forms on Google Documents, uh, which means you'll be able to open them in Excel or Word. But if you don't have Excel or Word, you'll be able to use Google Documents, which is free, to edit them uh, and, and print them and what have you uh, as well. If you're a member support brigade member, you get it for free. So I'm going to start trying to add some more stuff that if people just want the one thing, if it's a real high value thing, I think there's a huge value there that you'll be able to buy, but if you're a supporting brigade member, you're going to get it free. I'm always going to do that with anything that's a downloadable software-based or form-based product. I don't care what I sell it for. I could sell it for 100 bucks. It's going free to member support brigade members. I'm going to keep increasing the value there for you guys. But that is really, really important. And, and some of the things that I had in there, like my, my rules, my rule of three there, very different than the rules of three for wilderness survival. Three locations and three routes, right? I mean, that's a huge thing that nobody does. You should have three places you would leave and go to, even if one's a hotel because you have to go west and you don't have anybody out west to go to. Right, or you don't have a bug out location. There's just no way to go the way you really want to go, even if it's an in between point. Right, and you already have information for that hotel. So when you're bugging out and everybody is trying to get a hotel, you immediately know exactly who you're calling. And you can immediately book a reservation. Yeah, booking reservations doesn't sound like survivalism, but it beats the shit out of sleeping on the street because the drive around to get to where you really want to go is too long in the middle of a panic and a chaos having that safe place to go to. Uh, maybe it won't be possible. That doesn't mean that you don't make it probable for yourself. Uh, so documentation is a huge one. I'm probably going to do another show about that in the future as well. And then this is another one, and I think it's important, and it's really part of documentation, but it, it's kind of a different idea, so I wanted to present it to you today, and that is a group hierarchy in your home. And that means you absolutely need an emergency dad's in command or mom's in command whoever's better suited for the job and it's not dad just because he's a man it's whoever has the most experience with dealing with situations um if you had a, a husband and wife and the wife spent 15 years in the military she's probably a better commander than the husband if he didn't if you have a uh, situation where dad's a police officer it's and and mom is a school teacher that's probably a better commander. But you make that decision between yourselves. You also have a chain of command, meaning if the dad's not around, I guess, well, mom's in charge. Or if mom's not around, dad's in charge. But what if mom and dad aren't around and you have two or three kids? Which kid's in charge? It might be the oldest one. It may not. It depends on how close the ages are. 
but everybody should know the plan and there should be that chain of command. There should also be an understanding that at some point you may in a disaster situation reach a point where people do not completely agree. And then at that point you have to fall back to chain of command because you have to do something. What gets you killed in those situations is a lot of times it's doing nothing. Do we go this way or that way? Well, I don't know, but we have to go somewhere. So someone has to be uh, in charge at a point of impasse and able to make that command. And that's why the military functions so well, even in bad situations, because there's always a point at which someone makes a decision. Now, so, a lot of times, that decision is a wrong decision, but it's almost always better than making no decision, which is what happens when you can't come to an agreement and no one actually has kind of, let's call it a veto or overriding power. So I think it's important to have that chain of command set up in your home uh, along with your documentation and understand for my dominating fellow males uh, that gives you a maybe one or a half percent dictatorship and should only be used when it's absolutely required. An example uh, of it happening not really during a disaster but during a danger point is my wife thinking that she was going to drive to work in the middle of an ice storm. Because somebody else drove the work in an ice storm. Where I said, okay, this is my half percent veto power. You're not going anywhere today. It's dangerous out there. And if you get in a wreck or you get killed or you get hurt, they're not going to take care of you. They're not going to take care of us. They're not going to replace your income. If you die, they're not going to send me a new wife and your son a new mother. So you're not going. And, you know, that would have been a situation. Maybe it could have been reversed. It could have been exactly the other way. If it was me that had to go somewhere, I may have let my ego override my brains, and she may have been the one to step in and say, no, you really don't need to do this. So in those situations, a lot of times it, it, it really is not so much chain of command. It's about who has the uh, the the better view of things, who's less personally vested, whose ego is least driving the decision and is most based on logic, reason, and the law of probability. That's the one that you default to there. I think it's important, though, to have discussions like these and start thinking like this in a calm, level-headed, rational, no-emergency situation than trying to sort it out when everything's going to shit someday. The last one I want to finish up with today, and what do you know, we ended up with a full show anyway today, um, is skills. And I won't do a full thing on skills. I think I've done a show on skills in the past. It was in the 170, 180 range or something like that, if you want to look it up. Um, but skills are so valuable, so important to have. And I'm talking about things like basic map reading skills. I'm not even talking about orienteering and shooting azimuths with a compass. I'm talking about can you and can everybody in your family that may ever be called upon to drive a vehicle or get somewhere on foot uh, alone or as a leader read a basic street map, understand it, understand north, south, east, and west, how to figure out exactly where you are, if nothing else, by finding an intersection and then finding that intersection on the map and orientating the map and themselves to the north and then understanding how to go anywhere else from there. More intrinsic skills like carpentry, you know what, go out and find a place where uh, they're doing home construction. Volunteer for four weekends to work every Saturday and do whatever you're asked to do as a volunteer on a work crew. So you just want to learn. You know, you might find yourself a part-time job if you're looking for one, but if nothing else, you'll learn the skills of carpentry. Uh, learning the skills of being a mechanic. Take a course. There's plenty of them. Just basic mechanic skills, understanding how to figure out what's wrong with the car and make the assessment. Can I fix this or do I need help? Um, make sure you know how to do basic things. For God's sakes, how to change a tire. Do you know how many people don't know how to change a freaking tire? 
if a tire goes flat. Uh, make sure that you check your equipment for changing a tire while you don't have to change a tire. Uh, it, it's a really good idea for you to have, let's say, uh, a piece of flat steel about one foot by one foot square in the trunk of your car because you don't know where you're going to have a flat tire. And a lot of times those little scissor jacks and things uh, that they provide you with, if you put them onto soft asphalt because it's really hot or you're in the dirt, they'll sink into the ground and they make changing a tire where it should be safe very, very dangerous. So having that piece of flat steel to put underneath your scissor jack, uh, you know, they don't cost very much. You can go buy a metal shop. Say, I need a piece of uh, quarter-inch flat steel, one foot by one foot. I need two of them. They'll probably cut it for you out of scrap and sell them to you for a dollar or two a piece. But when you're broke down on a hot summer day and the asphalt's melting, you'll feel a hell of a lot safer changing a tire. So developing these skills and just thinking about all the things that can go wrong day to day, not just shit hit the fan, folks. A flat tire is not a disaster. A flat tire where your car falls on top of you is a disaster because you didn't have the equipment that you needed to get the job done right. Getting lost in the woods isn't really that much of a disaster if you're prepared. All I'm saying is be prepared for day-to-day things. Hopefully that's got you thinking. With that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up today's show. I really need to get on with uh, all the stuff that i got to do now that I took a vacation for a week and I'm being uh, punished with backlog, as always happens. But hopefully you enjoyed today's show. Hopefully it got me back in a rhythm. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough. Or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.